What is going on, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Ronan Bell Show. I'm your host, Ronan Bell, obviously, and I got another great show in store for y'all today. Um, with me today is a man that many of you have never heard of. However, this man has taught me many things through co- my conversations with him that I believe can help better understand, you know, this whole life thing that we're going through. And uh, yeah, allow me to introduce my good friend, uh, Peter Rushing. What's going on, everybody? My name is Peter. Uh... Yeah, get, glad to be on the show. <laughs> What's going on, brother? Yeah. So uh, before we get into some deeper questions or anything, why don't you just tell the listeners out there just some basic information about yourself? Uh, okay. So born and raised in Philly, uh, Germantown section. Um, went to high school at uh, Elverson Military Academy. It's right off of 13th and Susquehanna. Um, I started college a little bit at DevRi, but I dropped out, and uh, that led me to join the United States Navy. We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> but how was it, like, just from high school in general, how was it, you know, going into, like, a military academy in the beginning? Um, to be honest, it was pretty smooth, uh, simply because my uh, my principal from middle school didn't tell me he was starting a military academy, which was yeah. Elverson Military Academy. So he kind of just put me in it without me knowing. So it was it was... A pretty smooth transition yeah man so let's uh let's go just a little about about like life in north philadelphia so what was it like growing up there um i'm not gonna lie i was i was a pretty sheltered kid like i, I was inside watching dennis the menace and uh uh honey we shrunk the kids and crap like that for real up until i was a teenager so um yeah um i don't really know too much of that Philadelphia life that every other yeah. state likes to look at Philly as. Um, yeah, I didn't find that out until later on in high school. Would honestly. you say that you kind of grew up in like the rough part of the neighborhood, or? Yeah, honestly, I mean, back then when I, you know, between like five and fourteen, Germantown wasn't that bad. It wasn't until I'd say two thousand four, two thousand five, it started getting crazy around here for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, life's always changing about stuff like that. I mean, especially in inner city and stuff like that. Because I mean, my dad grew up there, so he said like he lived on the bad part of the block in West Philadelphia. That like hey. now is now is really oh, bad. Oh yeah, the but, bottom. You said it from the bottom. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, let's go about what was. So I know that you played football in high school and stuff. What did that kind of do for you at a young age? Um, it it taught me more about football simply because I didn't. I was so out of it with football, I didn't even know what the first down line was or the line of scrimmage, you know, little stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I had to I had to learn quickly simply because it was already at a high school level and I'd never played football before then. So, yeah, I'd I say it just, it just helped me with my knowledge about it. And did that kind of, like, help you later in life too, just being, like, a part of a team, like, kind of that family environment in general? Nah, I, I'd say I'd already, I'd already had that, like, way before football I'd already been a family person and everything Mm -hmm. if anything it strengthened that you know so yeah honestly just in general just kind of helped you out yeah yeah I I feel that so I understand that life in the beginning was not so easy for you could you tell the listeners out there a little bit about that absolutely so um the to get straight to the nitty-gritty uh everything got pretty difficult um I say my sophomore year of high school my father, he had a uh, massive stroke, and um, I'd say maybe two months later, um, a good friend of mine by the name of Fong Ho, 
he uh, jumped in front of a subway train right at the Broad Street line at 13th Susquehanna, and he actually got killed. Like, he purposely did that, you know? And it was tough for a lot of kids there, myself included. And um, I don't know, I, I guess you could say mentally my high school days were over. I didn't really care about high school anymore. So um, um, naturally, with my father being paralyzed and everything from the neck down, my mother had to step up and do a lot of things, but instead of her stepping up, she uh, fell into like this, I guess you could call quote-unquote Great Depression, and um, that forced me to have to step up and be the big man for my three other siblings. I'm the oldest of four, so um, yeah, it, was, it got pretty rough pretty quick. What was that like, just kind of, in general, let's go into like being the man of the house at such a young age. What was that like for you, kind of? You know, just trying to take care of not only yourself, but, you know, your other siblings, your mom in general. Okay. Um, so, um, taking care of moms in the family, um, it was already something that I wanted to do anyway. I just didn't because my father was already was always there. But um, I don't know. I never really looked at it like that until I'd say when I left for the Navy, mm-hmm. honestly. So, I was just always working and everything starting from the age of 15 um yeah I never really had a chance to think about it to be honest with you I had been doing it for so long just like it kind of came natural to you yeah. in general and do you think that that like I mean from that time I know it's not like a young age but you think that helped you out now I mean we'll go into it that your father as well but do you think that helped you in that aspect as well yeah it, it definitely kept my mind off of it not completely but um it definitely deterred from me giving into that depression just like my mother and everybody else around me but um but yeah I'd say it definitely was a distraction from having to worry about the nitty-gritty what about let's go into so I mean obviously you know going through something like your friend you know committing suicide something it's very tragic and a hard and a hard topic to talk about but let's see if we can do something with that so what do you think that taught you at a young age i mean how old were you when that happened i was 15 you were 15 what do you think that like taught you to help you out like now later in life like looking back on it that you were like like wow like this happened but what happened after um i say it taught me that life is too short to worry about the little things seriously and um to to count your blessings and and to tell the people that you're close to that you consider family that you love them you think like that kind of taught you how to like you know cherish the moment a little bit more than Definitely. usual because i feel like at a young age that that's something that a lot of people don't really realize especially in like high school when i think covid kind of taught those kids like hmm. the same kind of thing that like oh, yeah. you know everything's <laughs> not guaranteed you know you might you know that last game might actually be your last game after all like play every game like your last definitely kind of thing so let's go into let's go into your football career a little bit so what was it like playing college football or college or football in the navy in general absolutely so um football for the navy was uh obviously a a step up from high school football (laughs) (laughs) but um i say that taught me more brotherhood than anything simply because it wasn't just football, you know. They, these guys were your shipmates. These guys were potentially going to be serving with you in different countries and things like that, you know. So, um, I mean, I had my own selfish reasons for playing football for the Navy, but, I mean, 
doesn't everybody? Yeah, I mean, if you're going, if you're going into it, I mean, why not try and do something big? For real, but it didn't it didn't last that long at all. Um, I got hurt, and that that quickly stopped. I hit, I you know, I hurt my knee pretty bad to the point where I can't play professional ball ever again. So, yeah, that that dream stopped pretty quick. So, what do you uh, what do you think that that? I mean, obviously tearing your knee up and just like injuries in general kind of put a damper on things, you know. Yeah going later in life like if you had this big goal of you know one day going to the NFL what do you think that knee injury kind of taught you at least you know coming back from it just you know just in general just trying to get back for to who you were you know in general not physically but also mentally um I'd say that didn't stop me at all to be honest um football was supposed to just be a hobby like, and if it turned into something professional like NFL, great. But I always wanted to, you know, work my way up to becoming an admiral anyway. But even that, you know, that, that became uh, my, my, my view and vision on that changed quickly once I had a family. And I guess we'll, we'll dip into yeah, that. Yeah, we'll dip into that yeah. too. <laughs> so let's go into joining the Navy, going through... Just what it's like, boot camp, things like that. What was that like for you? Man, boot camp was amazingly fun, to be honest. And for all you listeners out there, um, if you ever plan on joining, I used to be a martyr. Like I used to be one of those guys who, who would push for not doing it. But honestly, it taught me a lot. It, it, it taught me not only how to, how to survive on my own, but it also taught me how to be a part of a team. Like I had been, I had been so used to, you know, going through life on my own and 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 trying to figure out how to figure out this thing called life on my own. Once I, you know, joined the Navy and became a part of a team, the part of a division and a ship and everything, it was really hard for me to to uh, to learn even how to be a part of a group because even even by being forced in a group, I still want to do things on my yeah. own, you know. So. And that's just from, you know, young age. That's how you've always been. Right. Like, you've been yourself Definitely. straight up. You know, sometimes you got to be selfish. And like, I think it, that comes with being the oldest of four, you know. Yeah. And you, <laughs> I mean, you're taking care of. I mean, it's just like another family. Yeah. I mean, that's what kind of sports in general and just, like, you're part of a team. In right. the Navy, you're part of, what, a platoon? Is that what it's called? Nah, division. Division. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're going into things like that, it's just like another family. I mean, you got other people. You got brothers and sisters you got to worry about, too. So. Right. Do you think that that taught you, you know, your family aspect at a young age kind of helped you bring that? I know it's probably hard to bring in a lot more people into, like, your circle mm-hmm. from being, you know, <clears throat> just about being, you know, on your own for so long. So what do you think that division did for you, you I'd know, say, at that time? I'd say it showed me just how mentally... uh just how, how mentally by myself I thought I was. So um, I'd say back in 2006, 2007, I was on the USS Ingraham, FFG 61, stationed out in Everett, Washington State. Um, middle of the night, like one or two in the morning, the ship broke away from the pier. Like it was a really bad storm, once in a lifetime thing that never happens. But all of the lines that attached the ship to the pier mm-hmm. snapped except for one and it was the one at the very fore the very front of the ship so 
when everybody's banging on everybody's door in the barracks, I'm asleep. I'm and the person that banged on my door happened to be my superior, my my uh, first class His name is uh, CS1 Lalonde. Hey, uh, CS1 Lalonde, if you're listening, I hated you back then, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I could not stay in your guts back then. But looking back, you 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 were you you were just trying to teach me, and I appreciate that, and I love you for that. But anyway, so. Um, he's banging on the door, rushing. Get your ass up, man! The shit pulled away from the pier. We gotta save our guys. Da, 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 da. And we get down there, and my roommate at the time, his name was last name Gaden, first name Joshua. If you're listening, my man, I miss you. I love you. And um, he was on duty that day. He was on the ship. He was trapped on the ship with the, all the other guys that were on duty that day. And um, just just seeing the ship, like we. We were walking down that long behind sidewalk, like that mile walk down to the ship. We weren't going to make it, but then a, an officer that, that uh, you know, officers get privileges to just drive down to, mm-hmm. the, to the pier. Hey, just hop, into, hop in the back of the truck, hop in the back of the truck. So we, we get down there, and the dude on watch, he's going crazy because he, he can't move from his post. And everybody's there. The COs, their XOs, they're all the officers, the entire crew is there. And it was just the the feeling of shock you had just looking at the boat, knowing that we were we were hopeless, like we were helpless, we couldn't help them. But um, a helicopter dropped down lines to us, to well to the ship, and then the guys on the ship threw the lines to us, and that was when the true brotherhood came through. Because I hated everybody on my ship; I did not want to be there. The only reason I was in Washington State was because I didn't know that there were two Washingtons. <laughs> For all you guys out there who want to join the military, just to let you know, in case you don't know, there's a Washington, D.C., and then there's a Washington State. I wanted to go to D.C. because I wanted, to, I wanted I was a cook for the Navy. I wanted to cook for Obama at the time, but I didn't specify, so they sent my behind to Seattle, which happened to be the year that the Seattle Seahawks won their first Super Bowl. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but um, anyway... So they, they threw the lines to us, and we're heaving and we're hoeing at the same time. But then, like, the the waves and the, the wind and the, the weight of the ship, it just pulled. Mind you, these lines are huge. They're humongous. So they're just ripping away from my hands. And, like, some some people lost skin on their hands, bro. Wow. And it was, it was yo, I'll never forget that day. Seriously. But that feeling set in, like, yo, we might lose our brothers. We might lose our ship. You know, but we never gave up. We kept trying, we kept trying. Eventually, we got the boat back to back to the uh, back to the pier. We got it all tied up and moored and everything. And um, I remember when those guys got off the ship. I never hugged those guys so hard in my life, and I never looked around at my crew the way I did before then, because it was like, yo, we really did this as a team, you know. So. Yeah, I'd say that's what the Navy did for me, honestly. And you mentioned that you were actually, you know, you did a little something different than most people do in the Navy. You know, when I think of, like, the Navy, I'm thinking, you know, soldier in general, just, you know. But you were a chef. What was that like cooking for, you know, how did you get into that, really, in, Absolutely. The, uh, in the Navy? So here we are again. Um, I actually didn't know how to cook before joining the Navy. Um, the idea was to just join be a cook for a year and then switch rates to whatever I wanted to do. But obviously that didn't happen. But um, going into A school, you know, the very first thing they did, they put us on a grill. They gave us a, a thing of eggs and they said, um, make scrambled eggs, make e- over easy, over medium, over hard. I'm like, what the hell? 
I didn't even know there were this many different versions of eggs, <laughs> yo. And I never made eggs. I always had my mother and my grandmother and fam. always had family members or, or girlfriends making breakfast for me. Yeah. Up until I, I got grown and I had yeah. to make breakfast myself. That's when I stopped eating breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> for real. But, um, but, yeah, so I didn't know how to make any of that. So they had to show me on the job training how to eat, how to, how to make eggs. So it wasn't just eggs, like how to make pie and, and, and uh, pineapple upside down cake and little stuff like that. You know, that's that's my, by the way, guys, that's my specialty. So if y'all, anybody out there want pineapple upside down cake, I got you. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like everything. I didn't know how to make anything. I knew how to season stuff, but I didn't know how to make anything for real. But I went from not knowing how to make eggs at all. So when I got stationed on my ship, they made me the egg guy on the boat. Like every morning, I was the guy on the grill whooping up everybody's eggs for breakfast. Everybody loved my breakfast, bro. <laughs> for real. I, it was funny because I made everybody's breakfast, but I didn't eat breakfast myself. It's weird. But yeah, so. But just like going into, you know, a little bit deeper into the topic. So what I'm hearing is that there was a lot of things that the Navy taught you that, you know, you didn't learn from like. You just learn through experience, yeah, you know. Definitely. What do you think that the Navy taught you besides, you know, just getting out of your comfort zone a little bit? What do you think that that has, you know, the Navy in general has done for you in that, in terms of that? <laughs> oh, man. So, comfort zone. Boot camp. Okay, first night, they they tell us take off our skivvies, which is underwear. That's, that's Navy term for underwear. Take off our skivvies, take off all your clothes, get in the shower. Now, you're in the shower with, like, 40 other dudes. Never did that before in my life. <laughs> comfort zone went out <laughs> straight out the window, bro, for real. So, yeah, that's what the Navy did for my comfort zone. But that also got, gets you ready for living on a ship with nothing yeah. but other guys, you know. So, yeah. So, after a while, I mean, you don't have to be naked in front of other guys when you get yeah. on the ship. But when it's, like, when it's crunch time and we're busy and we're on deployment, you don't really think about it. You just you just taking a shower. You just if you have a towel, okay. If you don't, that's why we're all guys anywhere. We yeah. we can't go anywhere. You know, you're all brothers. So, I mean, exactly. at that point, you're all you guys are all going through the same shit. So. The same exact thing, right? So let's go into let's go past the navy now. I understand that you have two kids. What's it like being a father to those two kids? Oh man, so. Ah, my little man, Amari, he is six years old, Amari rushing, and then my baby girl, she turns one next month, uh, November 24th, her name is Kiari rushing, um, my son is amazing, um, I, he, he takes more after his mother, he's, he's a little on the, on the gentle side, which I love, and my daughter, she's, even though she's just a baby, um, my mother likes to call her a Hulk baby because she tries to rip everything apart. <laughs> Seriously. Like, we just got her, her ears pierced for the, fir- for the first time the other day, and she didn't cry. I've ne- I don't That's know a baby insane. that... Yeah, I, didn't know, I don't know a baby that never cried when they got their ears pierced. And um, when she got her first needle, didn't cry. She just looked at us like, you just going to let them do this to us? <laughs> you just going to let them do this to me? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so my, my kids are amazing, and they... If it weren't for them, honestly, when I first got out of the Navy, I would have gave up, to be real with you. So do you think that your kids, like, I know that they, like, they're still young, so they're relying a lot on their 
on their pops. So mm-hmm. what do you think that, you know, your kids taught you in general and stuff, like you teaching your kids? Absolutely. Um, you grow up real fast when you become a father, honestly. And um, it, it taught me what sacrifice is like because I had never... I'd never had to take care of anybody besides myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, instead of instead of me wanting to dedicate those last 30, 45 minutes to playing Call of Duty or The Division or, I don't know, Final Fantasy or something, I got to dedicate that to changing diapers and taking walks at the park and going to get new clothes or reading a book or something, you know? It's, it's different. Just things to get you, like, things that you would never, like, think of doing until, no, you know, the day all. comes. For real. So what do you think that, you know, your kids do more than to you? So let's let's go into, like, a little bit deeper. Is that, like, what makes you want to wake up every morning now that you have two ki- two little kids? The fact, the fact that I know that they depend on me is what wakes me up every day, honestly. Like, that's what keeps me going. Um a lot a lot of time they some some days are a lot harder than others but um yeah for the most part it, they're the ones that that get me up every single day and um yeah that's that's my answer and right. i mean and everyone has bad days i mean but you know there's always that you know sometimes it just takes a little bit more to you know get yeah. through it then of course you know something else and i think that you know, you're talking about, you know, they're dependent on you. When someone else is dependent on what you're going to do, I mean, it makes you want to push that a little bit harder. A little harder, right. And, Peter, let's go into, so what do you do right now as far as work in general to make that money to be able to afford, you know, taking care of two little kids? Okay, so I currently work for UPS and Royals for PA. Um, I love my job um, 100%. I love what I do. I love my customers that come in. All of them, even the angry ones, honestly. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's that's different for me too because again, um, after getting out of the navy, I wasn't really a people person. Being on the ship will do that to you, but um, working for UPS is the complete opposite, bro. You got you got people of all of all nationality of of all ethnicity, nationalities, um, attitudes. Walking in is crazy, seriously. But um, yeah, that. That place is, is uh, it'll eat you alive. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> I also worked with Peter. This is how I met Peter in general. So I basically worked at the UPS store too. So I know what it's like as well. But let's go into, so you're saying that the UPS store kind of got you out of your comfort zone a little yeah. bit. When that's part of being like uncomfortable, what we were talking about before. So mm-hmm. do you think that the UPS store taught you, just having that job in general, taught you a little bit more about yourself as well? Definitely. Um, I didn't think that I would, uh, how can I say, be used to being a civilian or living civilian life ever again after leaving the Navy. And um, it became a mental thing. And that that became obvious to me once I worked at UPS. Like, I thought that, you know, I didn't, I thought that I couldn't leave the house. You know, I, I was real paranoid. Um, I don't really want to go into detail as to why I was paranoid yeah. from the Navy, but but yeah, um, working at UPS was, it was a, uh, it was something that I didn't know that I needed, honestly. And I feel like that's what, you know, kind of, sometimes that's what life brings you to, you know, the universe kind of brings you to something that like you actually need, but don't yeah. realize it at the time. Seriously. So let's go into, you know, Peter, was there ever a point that like you hit 
rock bomb after like coming out of the navy just like you weren't happy in general you know what you're talking about before just like coming back to a regular life definitely so this is the the dark part of the military um for all you listeners out there once again that want to join the military or for you guys that are thinking about getting out i'm not saying that this is how it is for all military service members when they get out but from my personal experience my chain of command didn't help me at all um when it was time for me to get out, I was going through a lot at the time. I had just gotten into a car accident. I had just found out my little sister had got shot. No, I'm not. None, none of my family gets into any kind of craziness mm-hmm. like that with drug dealers or anything like that. It was a. It was someone. It, it, it came completely out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was. It was unexpected. But I was going through a lot at that time, and they didn't help. So, um. I'm trying to move me and my entire family, my wife at the time, Mariah, and, and my son, uh, Mari, and my stepdaughter, Brielle, at the time. And um, I'm trying to move them from Washington State to back to Pennsylvania, where I'm from. And it was a lot harder than I thought it would be, you know? So we were living in a hotel, to be honest with you, for, I'd say, about five to six months before we got into our first place. The VA helped us get into our first place with a... Uh, what is it called? A, um, a HUD VASH voucher. And I'll never go back to doing that ever again. I, th- I thank them so much for their support and for their help. But um, I never want to go through that ever again, honestly. So, I mean, going through this dark time, you know, I talk about it a lot on this podcast about the master path and, like, coming out of it. Do you think that that time, you know, I know it sucked and, like, it was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. But do you think that that helped you become the man that you are today after going through all that? Definitely. Completely. Um, so, coming out of the Navy, like I said, was was way more difficult than I ever thought it would be. But it also showed me exactly where I was as a person as well. Um, it showed me where I was as a husband and as a father. Being in the Navy, I didn't. I wasn't home much, so I wasn't that much of a husband as I could have been or that much of a father as I could have been to my family. So now that I'm, I'm out and I was in front of them every single day, that was a really, really big challenge all by itself, you know? So, um, yeah, it took me it took me a few years to get used to quote unquote civilian life, and um, I'm still not used to it all the way. Like I still have, like I said, I still have some days where some days are harder than others where I don't want to be around people, things like that. But don't we all? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we yeah, all? that's facts. But um, yeah, um, I'm I'm working I'm working every day to be a better me, a better version of me, and um, yeah. I think that some people out there that don't really understand the whole like you can be physically healthy and you can be the healthiest dude on the planet mm-hmm. or healthiest woman on the planet but at the end of the day it's it's really up here that yeah. you know that most people you know kind of overlook and just being mentally strong is something that's hard for human beings to figure out in general definitely and that's something that comes with i mean experience mm-hmm. you know you're not going to figure out the real you until, you know, what you were saying, I consider in the master path, you know, the trenches. Right. And then you're, you're trying to work your way up out of the trench. And that's where, like, it really shows how mentally tough you are and how, you know, how you are as a person when you're, you know, facing these 
hard times trying to get out of it. Definitely. So let's go into something that I don't want to make. I don't want to make this political at all in the sense, but just in the sense that, you know, what was it like? I'm a white dude. I will never understand anything that you have ever gone through. But what was it like growing up as a black man? Um, so I had never really had, um, any issues with racism, honestly, until I joined the Navy, (laughs) to be completely honest with you, like, I was always in Philly, always around black people, other black people, but, um, yeah, um, there's, there's people in the Navy who like to, they like to use their quote-unquote power, right, Mm -hmm. their authority, and um, it uh, it gets to their head, and they think that they can just hide behind that rank and that power, and the people that that have their back or their support or whatever. But uh, there was this master chief. I never forget him. I'm not gonna name him, but he knows who he is. Um, I remember he called me a nigger every single day, and at first I I didn't know how to react because I'd never been called one before. You know, but after a while, I kind of got used to it because it was like I would tell my superiors and they wouldn't do anything. Like I couldn't, and he knew. Like he would only do it when we were out to sea, and he and he knew that I couldn't do anything about it. No one could do anything about it. But yeah, I I, I got to the point where it was just like I know I'm not one, and I know he's only doing that just to get to me. Because he he obviously sees something in me, you know, and and I can be honest, like I I got I got really my work ethic became crazy really quickly on the ship. Like once I figured out how everything worked on the on the ship, I wasn't just a cook. Like I did so much more than just cooking on the ship. Like I I fixed fire extinguishers. Um, I did work points for for COs and XOs. I helped other divisions with anything that they needed. Like mm-hmm. I, I became such a big asset to that ship. Um, I thought at one point that I was, I was irreplaceable, but I was completely wrong. There's millions of other people in the military mm-hmm. <laughs> that can do what I do, but um, but yeah, um, it mm-hmm. just it became real obvious to me that that master chief, he he was threatened by something he saw in me, you know, and, and it, it became real obvious to me when other chiefs besides him, they would, they would congratulate me or they would always be, be praising me and saying, yo, like I, I, I see a lot of myself in you, how I used to be when I first joined the Navy and you're on, you're on the right path and everything, but he'd be the only one that always had something bad to say out of his mouth toward me, you know, and it was, it was um really discouraging because he was a master chief. Eighty nine, something that I, you know, I aspired to be, but he was also, he he he, tr- he did his best to become my worst enemy, so I'd say, I'd say bad on his part, too bad on his part, you know. And let's go into some like, has there ever been a time where you felt like, the color of your skin besides this, besides just, you know being in the navy and yeah. about that one specific topic, is there been another time where do you think that your the color of your skin has been you know, an issue, a factor, yeah, in something like that. Yeah, I'd say every day, like, um, even where I live now in Rorschach, PA, um, it took even a while for my neighbors to get used to me. You know, like 
I remember just going to Giant down the street, and some little girl called me. She she was walking with her mom, and she was like, "Mommy, is that a gorilla?" I couldn't believe it, bro. I I I, I laughed to be honest, seriously. But um, yeah, people don't. I'm I I think I'm literally that guy when people say don't judge a book by its cover, because anybody that's ever met me, everybody that's ever met me, on their own calls me a teddy bear. You know, I'm I'm gentle i'm kind i'm kind i'll do anything for you i'll like once you show me that i can trust you i'll do anything for you i'll go to bat for you seriously i'll go to hell and back for you but um yeah it's just a shame it's unfortunate that this is the world we live in where color is an issue and it's the time to sleep redundant and stupid to be honest i like to i've said this many times to you ronan that if a uh, if one alien ever chose to show its face to this earth, bro, racism would stop in a heartbeat because everybody would be too busy trying to survive, you know? So I wish that would happen. You know, at the end of sometime the day. Sometime soon. Yeah. At the <laughs> end, I'm, a point that I want to make on this podcast and just like, and that topic in general that I want to make the point of is that, you know, at the end of the day, we are all human beings. Yes. The There is nothing that separates us other than our experiences and you know the things that we've been through the knowledge that we've attained yeah and you know i just want i just want to make that point right now that you know everyone do not look at anyone differently no matter you know what you think what they look like you know their appearance you know means absolutely nothing it's who they it's it's who they are on the inside and the things that you can learn from and that's where you know that's what really life's about you know it does it does not matter how someone looks it does not matter you know how they dress how they right. do whatever they want to do just treat everyone the way that you would want to be treated you know that golden rule that i like to talk about and Absolutely. what we talked about on the last podcast as well so i i mean and, and it's like it's a hard topic to even talk about now mm-hmm. but you know do you feel but it that needs to be talked it about. needs to be talked about you know at the end of the day would you feel that you know you don't judge a book by their cover you gotta talk to them first i mean at the end of the day you're trying to you can't you can't find out everything about someone until you really talk to them right and you know going through like with the cut i mean you're dealing with customers every day and you gotta talk to people i'm sure that you don't like and you know talk to people i'm sure you really do like right but the people that you don't like they don't know they don't know anything nothing at all I mean, and you don't know anything about them. I mean, they could just be having a bad day. Right. And something, you know, a point that I always like to make is just, you know, put put yourself in someone else's shoes for a change. Mm-hmm. Really think about, before anything comes out of your mouth, really think about what you're about to say. Really think about what you're about to do. Think about the action that you're about to take. And just, you know, just try and be as respectful as possible to that other person because you really do not know what someone else is going through that day, that month, that year. Just try and be a little bit more considerate when you're trying to do something. So let's get off of this topic a little bit and let's go into, you know, I know that school has not always been a strong suit for you, but what do you think school taught you besides of, like, outside of, you know, the textbooks and outside the books and outside, you know, teachers teaching you? It taught me that I wasn't ready. (laughs) It taught me that I was not ready at all. Um, I thought that it was time for me to go back to school. But um, I tried juggling working six days a week because only simply because I know other people that do it. They go to work um, six to seven days a week and balance going to school full time. So it's like, yo, if they can do it, why can't I? Yeah. You know, and, and they have they have more kids than I do. I have two kids 
They got like three and four, and they 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 find a way to balance all that. So I thought I could do it. Nah, not at all. <laughs> no, it's not for everyone. <laughs> no, it's not. So yeah, um, I didn't even get to start reading the textbook. To be honest with you, it, it got that bad for me. It was just like yo. I picked up my phone one day and started trying to read the book. I was like, no, nah, I'm not about to do this. I'm not, I'm not, so. And it's not for, <laughs> and hey, man, I mean, like, to anyone out there who's just, like, they don't think school's for them, like, maybe school isn't for you. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. Or maybe it is. I didn't and give maybe, it, yeah. I didn't give it that much of a chance. It was just, like, once it, once it got, like, once one, two days went by where it was, like, I, I just couldn't mentally dedicate myself to even trying to start a class slash do one it was just like nah bro i'm not maybe i just i, I just just try to do it too soon and at the time know? i mean you couldn't put 110 percent into it right and that's what i feel like the calm person that you are in general that if you're going to go do something you're going to do it right yeah definitely and that's what i think that people need to realize that you know sometimes you know maybe the path that everyone takes is not the path that you need to take at the you time know, yeah at yeah. that at that given time you know maybe that's not for you right but in general i mean you know, I just want you guys to take this for a fact. I mean, look at Peter. I mean, he's a very happy, very happy man. Sure has two great kids. <laughs> and just in general, I mean, he didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. He took the other route. And, you know, he is still, he is still here. He is yep. still here. He is doing everything he wants to do. He's living life on his own terms. And, you know, that's what I want some of you guys out there to realize that you know, this whole life thing is not a straight line. This it is not a straight line. Not everyone has to do the same exact thing. Some people have to take a little bit different route. And in the end of the day, Peter, would you say it worked out in the end? I'd say it worked out in the end, and I'm still working through it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another topic that I want to get into is if you, if you had to give a piece of advice, you know, you had a lot of struggle in your life if you had a piece of advice to tell those people that are struggling right now out there what would that piece of advice be my advice to you guys out there would be um even on even on your darkest day when you feel like um maybe not enough money is coming in so maybe you have that thought to do something out of your character and and yes i am talking about you know going as far as to sell drugs or do something, like I said, completely out of your character. All for the simple fact of you guys are struggling, you don't know what else to do. There's always a choice. It's all Being 29 years old, I've learned that so far, that life is all about choices. And some choices you can't come back from. So um, whenever someone's in a stressful situation or in a situation where they think that they have to make a decision fast, most times you make the wrong decision. I'm asking you to just sit there for a second and just think about that impact that your decision might have on your siblings or your parents or anyone around you. People that might look up to you that you don't even know look up to you. Like I, I'm still finding out to this day that there are people I went to high school with that looked up to me that I never knew was even watching me in high school. Like I never even looked their way in high school, you know? So... You never know. You never know who's watching you. You never know. And I mean, I'm not saying all this about people who, who may or may not be watching you, but I'm just saying your decisions have an impact on you and the people around you. So um, for the people that need to hear it, there's always a better choice out there. There's always something out there. If you guys need help, give me, hit me up. Like, 
<laughs> you know, like I'm not a, I'm not that far away. I'm, I got Facebook, I got IG, um, I have Snapchat, and um, yeah. There's always someone out there that's there's willing to try. Always someone out, and and also there's always someone out there. Don't ever think that you're going through the worst situation ever. There's always someone out there that's going through worse than you are. Always. And a point that I want to make is that, you know, even on the darkest days, that there will be someone to help you. You know, someone is going through the probably the exact same thing that you are going through. And right. at the end of the day, they can, they can help you out. Like, it's not... It, you are not in this... I want to make the point that you're not alone, Mm-mm. you know, and something that I, we talked about before, just about being mentally tough and just being, you know, mentally aware. And that's something that's overlooked, you know, you know, mental illness is not something to, you know, take lightly, especially, mm-hmm. especially now when there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of people that, you know, especially through quarantine or things like that, that really went through the ringer from not a physical standpoint, but, you know, up in your head and just, we good. And just, you know, it's hard for some people to, you know, even think about that haven't gone through it. If you haven't gone through it, you really, you really can't understand. But just if you haven't gone through it, I just want to tell you, just have an open mind, try and understand, put yourself in in someone else's shoes, you know, be empathetic. You know, we are all humans on this earth and we all are trying to figure out our own way in our own way, in our own time. And sometimes for other people it's hard, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you every single person out there, I believe, can figure it out if they really put their mind to it. So let me give let me give you another question. What about a piece of advice that has really stuck with you through from you know it could have been ten years ago, it could have been five years ago, but you know now that you kind of look back on it, it's like wow, you know that was actually really important. I kind of internalized that a little bit more than I did. Absolutely. Um. Someone that I that I cherish and love very much. Um, I look up to him, and um, he doesn't know it. I, mean, I don't talk to him that much, but he's actually my idol. Uh, my Uncle Patrick, um, he told me back when I was a teenager when my pops had just had a stroke and Fong had just did what he did, um, he told me that there's like once again there's always someone out there that's going going through worse than you are and to think about to think about the people around me that need me the most um and to keep moving forward for them and to keep moving forward for myself and to always remember that and that stuff will be even to this day because it, like I said when I first got out of the navy man <laughs> I was like yo f this marriage shit like no bro like I, I didn't want to do anything I wanted to give in to everything but um but no nah, I didn't and I'm glad that I didn't give up I'm glad that I stayed in there um I mean how would my I, I had to think about how would my son and my daughter look at me you know my stepdaughter at the time um how would I be able to look them in the face when they get older like what if they're going through something in life when they become that age and they need advice on how not to give up but their father gave up so how could I give them advice on it you know so that's how I look at it honestly and did that seem you know insignificant at the time or is that just something that you know you kind of look back on and you're just like you've always kind of carried that with you I've always carried that with me even in boot camp like boot camp you have to take three physical fitness tests I hate running 
I am not a runner. I hate it with a passion. But um, you have to run a mile and a half in under 12 minutes. And I see the first and second test, I did okay. But the third test, I feel like I had a point to make to myself. You know, by that third test, I look like a like an action figure. You know, <laughs> for real. But um, that last test, I told myself if it, if I wasn't under, if I wasn't under ten minutes and like twenty seconds, then it didn't count. And that was just for my for my mental right. And I remember looking up at that clock, and I'm running, and I'm like, yo, I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. I might as well just go home. You know, I swear, that's I beat myself up like that. I had to at that time. And um, I got to, I'd say, like, like nine minutes and 50 seconds. And I was still, like, not even halfway to my, you have to run 12 laps. And I was only on, like, my ninth lap. You're supposed to run a lap per per minute mm-hmm. or at least 30 seconds per per um, per lap. But I was, like, a minute and 10, a minute and 20 per lap. It was horrible, bro. I was, I had so much anxiety, bro. Like, it, I, I was really down on myself. But... I, it it did stick with me because during that time it was like yo if I don't make it through boot camp and I get sent home like what am I gonna do with my life that's what I thought that's how I thought about it back then as a teenager I'm like yo I can't be sent home so I I made a decision like I gotta get this done for me you know before anybody else I had to make sure I did this for me so no at the end of the day I mean. You got to be happy with yourself, Definitely. you know, happy with the decisions you made and, you know, worry about yourself before, you know, I don't want to say worry about yourself before other people. Cause that's not, I think people could take that the wrong way, but no. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, that's how it kind of, sometimes be. you have to worry about you before worrying about the people sometimes. Yeah. What about, so another question I have for you is, would you want to do everything that you did all over again? You know, the turn back to clock question that I ask everyone on the show. To be honest, I would leave everything the same way it is. Um, I don't like I don't like living life with regret, but um, I don't think I think if 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 things could have gone perfectly or any other way, I wouldn't have learned as much as I have from from the experiences and the things that I've done. To be honest, and um, yeah, I think I think that should go for anybody. Like if 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 everything is going good for you all the time. I mean, life, to even think about it, life would be pretty boring. <laughs> like, and I don't like, I don't know about you, but I don't like being bored, bro. I don't bro. like being bored either. Seriously. So, I'd rather go through the struggles and, and go through learning things the hard way instead of, you know, having things so easy for me all the time, you know? No, and that's where, I mean, again, I go back to the point where, you know, really being mentally strong, and that's, that's the things that really, you know, that's the things that build you up. Yeah. You know, the hard times is what the failures and the mistakes and all of that. You know, at the time, you could be sad. You can be really sad. You can be really down. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're going to look back on that in five years, a year from now, and be like, "Wow, you know, I could have went this way and, you know, had a life of sadness mm-hmm. and de- being depressed." Or you can take the you can take the high road and you know keep pushing through. Yeah, do you know, something about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. go do something about it. I, I try and tell people that all the time. Just go do something. Go go do something. You know, right. I like do, using the tag. Uh, the tagline on the show is just keep on keeping on. Right. And you know, Peter is a prime example of someone who just <laughs> kept going. You know, nothing. I appreciate that. You man. know, nothing stopped this dude from doing everything that he wanted to do. Just to anyone out there, just keep going. Life is hard. 
It is hard. Everyone that has been successful, anyone out there is going to tell you that life is hard. And it's the people that think life is hard and then, you know, keep thinking it's hard and just go down this bad path are the people that are unsuccessful, you know. Maybe, you know, have something wrong, you know, aren't going through a great time. But the people that keep going is the people like Peter. It's the people, the other people that I have on the show that just try and, you know, take life... I want to just say, like, take life by the hands. Like, you know, you have you have all the capability in the world to, you know, make life the way you want to make life. You know, go do something today, everyone. You know, keep going. Keep going if no one else told you. I'm telling you to. Just keep going. It will all be okay. And before I go, before I wrap up the show and everything, I always like to uh, end the show with a quote that... Um, that my guest, you know, kind of lives by, you know, a quote that, you know, you know, sticks with them a lot. You know, Peter, what would that quote be? Don't be the version of you that you wouldn't want your kids to be. And what do you think that, you know, obviously five years ago or six years ago before you had a kid, you know, that probably didn't mean as much to What does that mean to you now? Um, it means everything to me now simply because I used to, I used to look at my father, like, after he had his stroke, we found out about, like, different affairs he was having against, like, you know, over my mom and everything. I used to hate that man, to, to for lack of a better word. And I used to tell myself that I'd never be like him, that I, I don't want to be like him. But now, make it, you know, through making my own mistakes in life, it's like, he is human. And he said that to me back then. You see, you know, I asked him like, "Dad, why? Like, just why? Why would why would you do this to mom? And why do things the way that you did them?" And he wrote on the paper, "I'm human, just like anybody else." And I hated him even more for that answer back then. I, it wasn't enough for me, but it's the truth. It really is. You know, he is human. He makes mistakes just like any of us do, and um, he's gonna keep making mistakes like the rest of us do. But, um. From seeing what his mistakes did to my mom, it made me, it, it, yes, I still, like I said, I still make my own mistakes, but it reminds me to continue to push to be a better version of him and myself. I love it, man. And I just want to say, you know, before I turn off the mics and we go on with our day, Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Thank you so much for having me on this show. Yo, I've been I've been anticipating this for a while now, and um, you're doing an amazing job, bro. Seriously, and and for all you guys out there, yo, if y'all not listening to my man Ronan's show, I don't know what the hell y'all doing with y'all time. <laughs> but um, he he is up and coming, and he's an innovator, and he's he seriously he's an amazing friend to me. So um, yeah, like I said, if if y'all not out here listening to his podcast and to his show. I don't know what the hell y'all doing with y'all time, man, for real. I appreciate you, man. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug before, you know, we go on with our day? Um, absolutely. Um, so, um, my man Ronan is actually selling hoodies that say keep on keeping this on. Guy. I want to put that out there. Um, uh, support black colleges. Uh, spread love, less hate. And um, remember, there's always somebody out there that's going through worse than you are. I hope you all enjoy your day. And um, 
once again, thank you so much for having me. Of course, Barry. And anyone out there listening, I hope you all have a great rest of your day and just keep on keeping on, everyone.